Welcome back to this edition of The Singing Psychologist, the podcast from the historic Lewiston Opera Hall in Lewiston, New York. Uh, it is a rainy day, um, and it's just a couple days after Monday Night Football. We were going to do another edition and record some other things, but there was a timely one that we wanted to slip in here um, because of what happened on Monday Night, Monday Night Football. Were you guys watching that? So around here, we're... We're part of the Bills Mafia and watching the team and cheering them on and everything. And uh, you saw one of the players collapse right there in the field. And it was pretty intense. And it, it's still pretty intense because we're not at this point on, on Wednesday. We're not sure what the outcome is. But watching what happened, um, how it all uh, unfolded there on live TV was pretty tough for a lot of people. Uh, in fact, I've got in emails and calls about folks uh, asking if I would talk about this uh, because there were a lot of triggers that occurred if, if you've lost a loved one who they did CPR on or um, the look of the faces on the players if you've had a, a, a traumatic or high stress experience where people were kind of shocked uh, seeing the the faces of the people on the field and on the sidelines, there were so many triggers happening that uh, I've gotten calls from people that said they it, it put them into an anxiety attack, a very intense flashback where their body, which bears the burden, which maybe maybe that wasn't floating around in conscious memory, but how stress and trauma works, it's stored in us. And maybe I'm not thinking about that thing ongoing, but there was enough that, that was connected to it that we saw on TV that the amygdala says, man, this is real familiar. And remember how it felt? Not so much what you thought, but how it felt. And a lot of people started having anxiety and stress uh, around that or an anxiety attack or a flashback. So I want to talk a little bit about that today uh, and how that occurs. What's going on that that I can't control this, I just feel crazy, and I have people say that. I just feel crazy because I can't think my way through it. But remember, it doesn't live in, in intelligence, it doesn't live in my prefrontal cortex, it doesn't live in my ability for cause and effect and rationale. It's really just sensation without organization. Pause on that for a second. It's sensation without organization. It is this flood of what it feels like, heart-pounding, um, breathing fast, muscles tight, muscles tense, all the sensation stuff, and it makes no sense in the actual moment because nothing's occurring in the living room or in your bedroom where you're watching that, that you have this level of activation. So there's no, there's no organization to it. It's all survival, survival, survival. And what it is is it's taking the body back to the same sensations is when the original trauma occurred. I've shared that with you before, but I'll say it again because we really beat ourselves up about this stuff because we can't think our way through it. I don't know why it's happening. I just feel crazy. But so I'll say this again. When something nudges up against this tough memory, the amygdala kind of says, ah, this is familiar. And when, when it rubs up against like that, remember, 
It takes the body back to the same sensations as when the original trauma occurred. Now, the event isn't actually occurring. It's not happening in your living room. It's not happening in your bedroom. It's not, it's, it's not actually occurring. It just feels like it's occurring. It is sensation without organization. So we'll say things like, oh, I must be crazy. The event was crazy. The event was overwhelming. The event was awful. So I guess I'm crazy because I keep re-experiencing that over and over again. Every time there's a nudge up against it, I keep re-experiencing that. But you're using the wrong tools. You're using a logic tool for a non-logic event and how, how trauma memory is stored or even high stress memory is stored is unique. It's You can't beat yourself up for those things because we really haven't had these kind of conversations very much. This, this research is probably 15 years old and the understanding of it is just burgeoning now. So let's have some of that conversation because like I said, people are, are feeling some distress around this. So if, if you had that kind of response in your living room that was, that was big, it may, may be connected to something previous, something bigger that maybe had CPR or death or those faces of those folks that are on the field or on the sidelines or the reporters. So it felt really big to you. So, and you're, and you're thinking, I don't know why I responded in this way. Whether we remember it at all, and how accurate our memories are really depends a lot on how personally meaningful the event was and how emotional we felt around the event. That kind of determines the size of it and the place that it holds in us. So we all have memories associated with, with people, with songs, with smells, and they stay with us for a long time. And you know that if, if you can go into an elementary school as a 60-year-old and you'll have flashbacks to being in kindergarten because the body just remembers these things. Now, if it was a big trauma around those things, those visual cues or those, those olfactory or auditory cues, then it, it feels different in you. So when something terrifying happens, like, like seeing a child hurt or a friend hurt uh, in an accident, we, we retain this intense and largely accurate memory of the event because trauma has a lot of bandwidth in our brains. It takes up a lot of space and there's a lot of cellular stuff and everything that's around that, sights, touches, everything like that, um, takes up bandwidth. So there's going to be more things that rub up against it in the future. So as there's as research uh, has shown, uh, the more adrenaline, more adrenaline that you secrete during a stress, the more precise your memory will be. Isn't that amazing? The bigger the event, the more stressful, the more adrenaline you secrete during the event, the bigger the memory is going to be. But that's true only up to a certain point, the research found. Um, confronted with, like, with horror or with inescapable shock, the system then becomes overwhelmed and breaks down and memory then starts to suffer. Conscious memory. But what happens is the body starts taking over and says, well, this is huge. I'm going to hang on to this. I'm going to hang on to this. I'm going to hang on to this. That's why so many books around trauma are called things like the body keeps the score, the body bears the burden, because it's filing the stuff away for you. Memory isn't just a thing that occurs in your head. Memory is a full body process. I was just working with someone who uh, we, we did some exercises uh, 
with leg stuff and and this person's leg started being painful and tingly and things like that and I just afterward I just said did you need to run away a lot when when you were little you know, coming from a t- pretty toxic environment and she said yeah so much and her, wasn't even aware of it but her body had kept that score for her it's pretty amazing so when memory um like traces of the sounds or the images or the sensations are reactivated the the logic part of our brain shuts down uh, the 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 cause and effect the rationale the really thinking things through that part shuts down so we can't put things into words we can't stop logically we can't express these things and then the parts of our brain that help with time the medial prefrontal cortex and the thalamus and things like that um it, it, it takes just this raw data and brings the past into the present. So we're kind of re-experiencing it in this moment. So hear me say this right now. If this, if this affected you, the watching TV the other night, affected you in this way, hear me say this. You're not crazy and you're not broken and you're not ruined. Your body just said, God, this is really familiar and I got some stuff stored in here. And if, if I am talking about you, there's stuff stored in there and there's a lot of great therapies around these things that can help our body get rid of that charge of trauma. So kind of diving back into the, the physiology of it. And if you listen to the show, I love physiological stuff. Um, when this, this traumatic memory pops up, the, the emotional brain, the limbic system, um, the brain stem, expresses this activation through changes in emotional arousal and in body physiology and muscle action like escape behaviors things like that and and under ordinary conditions the the rational and the emotional brain they 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 negotiate they say okay well this is this is something i can back off and this is something we can move a little bit here and and they they play nice together but but in highly charged situation where that remember i said there's that big bandwidth that stress or trauma has in us when there's when it's highly charged, the balance of them seems to disconnect. And other brain areas uh, necessary for storage and integration uh, of incoming information, they start to jump in and say, "Well, I've got this, and I've got this, and I've got this." And pretty soon, it just is this big ball in your chest or your stomach, and it it feels in what we call overwhelm. My heart's pounding fast and. My breathing shallow and I'm hot and I'm tingling and I can't think clearly and I can't talk and I can't express. And that's how it's showing up in this moment. How that thing that happened previously is connected to what we saw on TV and is showing up in this moment. So as a result, the imprints of these traumatic experiences they're not organized as logical narratives. There's not, there's not, well, this, then, this, then, this, then, this. What, what pops back is all just a rush of sensation. It's, there's fragments and there's sensory input and it, it all doesn't make sense. And that's, that's why people say I just felt crazy because it doesn't make sense. It doesn't have a sweet spot that has a logical narrative, which is, you know, the right and left brain stuff, um, how this stuff behaves is all about survival. 
It's all about keeping you alive. That's what your brain is in your head for, to make sure you get through this moment and this moment and this moment. And so if there's something, a significant threat, the heart starts pounding like you're running away, like you're fighting, like you're flighting. But if it's too big, then we freeze. Remember, we talked about trauma being in the freeze. So we, we experience this intense memory physically. Memory storage is, is, like I said, not just located in the head. It's located all over the body, the cells, the body, the vagus nerve. Uh, so it's, it, it, it occurs everywhere. And then we can't tell the story. We relive it. We re-experience it in real time in, the, in, in this moment. And what's happening is our brains are scanning all the time, making sure that we're okay. My scanning right now, making sure it's all good. Cars are driving by. It realizes I'm a little bit cool, chilly in here. It sees LP. It's just making sure everything. It's giving me all sorts of sensory input right now. And but a lot of the maybe some of the tougher stuff is hovering below, below the surface. There was a book by Stephen King called A Bag of Bones. Uh, I, I read it a long time ago. It was really thick, and about halfway through, I thought, Ugh. but I was halfway through, so I got to finish this book. Anyway, there is a quote in there. That says, even though upstairs they don't know what's going on, the boys in the basement are always working. And that's the same thing with things that are hovering south of consciousness. It's always working, and usually, often they don't even pop up. We're not even aware of things that are occurring. But if there's something that rubs up against us, rubs up against the amygdala, rubs up against the past that is pretty familiar, it brings it into the present then. And it's not condensed. Traumatic memory is, is is a reliving of it over and over and over and over again. Or maybe if, maybe your anxiety lasted two hours. Maybe it lasted all day long. So it's not condensed. It would take us a minute to tell the story. But the story that the body's telling has an entirely different pace and different menu than my words would have. Often people will dissociate from the moment. Uh, remember dissociation we've talked about before. It's kind of the heart of trauma is checking out of, of the, the brain and body. We, we, we lose time. Um, and so we're not in the present. So if it feels so uncomfortable in this meat suit that I'm wearing that the brain says, let me just get you out of here and puts us in a different location, then we also we pop back into it later. It's pretty common. I'm wondering if over the past couple of days if people have done socially acceptable dissociation when they're starting to feeling these things. Maybe they are um, binging, watching a lot more Netflix, uh, reading, uh, just scrolling, doing mind-numbing scrolling on Instagram, those kind of things. That's socially acceptable dissociation. It's not being aware and in the present. And what I'd, what I'd like to remind us is that, that we are strong and we are powerful and we are prayerful. And these things are things we have working for us. So get engaged with people around you. Um, we, remember, we suffer in silos, but we thrive in community. So if you feel like this is, this is hard for me, engage in your healing community, your, your friends, your family, your loved ones that, that can help you move through this in healthy, safe ways. Remember, the vagus nerve loves socialization, loves healthy social interaction. So connect with people 
talk about these things and feel safe. Um, and then, and then, as always, monitor the information your body's given you. If it feels uncomfortable, see a professional. There's a lot of folks out there that can that do this work. So I just want to spend some time on on that talking about that today because it seemed like it was pretty urgent. A lot of people had 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 a, a, a response, a reaction to what they saw on TV. So I just wanted to send some information out that you're not alone and you're not crazy, you're not broken, you're not ruined, um, and kind of normalizing things. But be sure to do things that take care of yourself. Drink cold water, get enough sleep, um, eat well, exercise, get in social situations, uh, prepare your body for such stressful things, just to be doing those kind of things ongoing. You don't have a fire drill in the middle of a fire. Let's, let's start with ongoing wellness within ourselves and with our families and with our communities. So there's that. Um, so we get to jump into the music part. It seems like a totally awkward, abnormal segue. <laughs> but I'm going to jump into it anyway because it's part of the show. Next up uh, is, is the music section. So part of the awesomeness of the music session of the show is I get to introduce you to, to some of my friends. Uh, in, in the area and uh, one of the person people I met I don't even know five six years ago uh, she's now kind of helps out with a music festival in Buffalo called the music is arts festival the MIA which could call the MIA because there's nobody at our <laughs> at our section of it but she's a musician and a guitar player and a singer and uh, I, I enjoy her as a person um, but I, I really enjoy her, her music as well. And I wanted to play a song for you uh, of hers called Thomas, West Virginia, off of her album uh, 20 Something from 2017. Nowhere 
Thomas West Virginia or Thomas WV by Sarah Elizabeth. I, I sure like her. Or I like her talent. You can check her out on iTunes or any place you could, you, you get your music downloaded. Uh, look for Sarah Elizabeth. And now we're going to dive into our song. Uh, since it's a stressful memory show, uh, when I was living on Standing Rock Res in North Dakota, I was a little chubby kid with Captain Kangaroo hairdo. And uh, we... The Missouri River ran through the res, and the, the a lot of child my childhood kind of involved the, the river. We, we used to swim there. You can get up really early and go fishing down on the river. And I had friends from our little neighborhood there that the, I didn't know this at the time, and I don't I don't know how it worked at the time. But I was just like ten years old. That I think they were being abused, and they had they had a tough home life, and they would always come over late and we would we would set up tents and things in the backyard to sleep and i guess one night was particularly intense at their house and they came running over and one of them wanted to go go hide down by the river and so uh, i've been hanging on to this story for all these years because again i wasn't sure how to tell the story and then uh, when i was working on this new record it, it just uh Kind of came to me how I was gonna how I was gonna do it, and so the song's called "The Missouri." Smile. 
calls and says, recall my name. But no one should go alone. Get to shore, soak to the bone From the upcoming album, I mean, I'm not sure what I'm going to call it. I had a, I had a cool name for it, but I've recorded in more than just the, the, the Black Rock. So I have to change the name of it, I do believe. But that's it for the show. Uh, just a reminder, we're going to start having some educational stuff upstairs. Uh, seeing a psychologist, uh, seminars, maybe we'll do one of these shows uh, live up there. When I say seeing a psychologist seminar, so I'll do some some training up there around these topics. Maybe I'll try to get CEUs for you guys. Um, so you know, keep an ear out for that. I would love it if you guys could just load up and come to Lewiston, New York, sometime this summer, and 
Just plan a, plan a vacation around this stuff. And maybe we'll even have a singer-songwriter upstairs while you're here. Uh, if you want to get a hold of us, questions, comments, thoughts, I'm going to throw this over to you, LP. Okay, so uh, we have um, a Facebook page called The Singing Psychologist, and we also have an Instagram called Singing Psychologist as well. And um, we have uh, singingpsychologist at gmail.com. So if you uh, reach out to us on any of those, um, message us, comment, uh, email us, whatever you want to do. Daryl has some uh, singing psychologist stickers that we can uh, give to you for free. And uh, they're really kind of cool looking. So that's how you get rid of us. Get rid of us. That's how you get a hold of us, Daryl. <laughs> <laughs> Man, that's, that's the kind of thing we should redo, but we won't. <laughs> anyway, okay. Well, thank you, my friends, for tuning in. Uh, let's take care of each other. See you soon. The sun would shine on a face like mine. we find our way.